the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two is underway now at 9 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Friday, and it is the fifth morning of the 11th month in the year of our Lord, 2021. Appreciate you being with us. Also appreciate Dr. John Lott joined us last half hour. Coming up at uh, 1035, former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan is going to give us her reaction to the mandate that has now been made kind of, sort of, pseudo-official by OSHA and the Biden administration, also a mandate in San Francisco, which is probably the first of many to come, on children taking the experimental big pharma profit shots. Mandatory to go inside places in San Francisco. So we'll get a reaction to that, as well as the impact of Tuesday's elections on uh, the country moving forward. All right. Um, if you listen with any regularity at all, you understand what socialism is. You understand how extraordinary dangerous it is. I have brought people on who are expats from socialist countries on a regular basis, had people from Cuba, had people from Venezuela, I've had people from Russia. I've had people from uh, you know uh, countries that have that have gone from being prosperous to being essentially what President Trump once called blank holes, all because of socialism. And they come to the United States, and they look at it, and they recognize the same exact things happening here. They're trying to sound the alarm. That's why I put them on the radio. They're trying to sound the alarm, but nobody's listening. Do we recognize how close we are coming to socialism, particularly under a present leadership? Joining us now is somebody who does. He wrote a book about it. It's called The Drift, Stopping America's Slide Socialism. But he's not just some author. Kevin Hassett is an American economist, and he is the former senior advisor and chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors to President Donald J. Trump. And he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Kevin, good to have you on our program. How are you, sir? Oh, it, it's great to be here, and, and, you know, I'm so eager to talk about this because it's a crucial turning point in our country 
And and no kidding, I had dinner with Donald Trump last night. I'm down in Palm Beach, and he he really really you know still believes that the fight against socialism is one of the most important historic fights that we've had since the founding of our country. And you know that we worked together, Donald Trump and I, to fight socialism, and it gave me kind of a front row seat to the battle. And that's what the book is really about. You know, it not only takes you inside the Oval Office with me and President Trump and Larry Kudlow and Gary Cohn and the people that were fighting against socialism. But then it does a deeper dive into, like, really identifying, you know, who are the socialists? Where are they? What are their tactics? What can we do to stop them? And that's why I think it's really urgent and essential that people like your listeners who are patriots and who don't want our country to turn into a totalitarian socialist state, you know, they need to go out and buy a copy of the book. <laughs> you know, I hate to be a fish guy, but I really, really need No, that's what we're here for. We, a lot of people haven't identified what we wouldn't, disease, We so wouldn't have you on. I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we wouldn't have you on if we didn't want people to read this and learn, because, of course, the more we learn about it, uh, the better equipped we are to try to fight it, uh, whether it be at the ballot box or through activism or whatnot. So, no, by all means, we'll pitch it many times. The Drift, Stopping America, Slide to Socialism. Kevin, um, a lot of people still don't quite understand what socialism is and maybe the difference between socialism and marxism and communism are we talking just Mm -hmm. about economic theory or are we talking about full totalitarian societies can you can you paint a picture of what you mean when you say the slide to socialism compared to again the other uh the other and and i can give you some like current examples from proposals that the democrats have but but the way to think about socialism is that uh, in a socialist country, like Venezuela is the classic example right now, you see how well they're doing. Um, in, in a socialist country, the government controls the means of production, or the government distributes you know, the output produced by the country the way it wants without using the price mechanism or the capitalist system. And um, so if you know, the government takes your resources, they tax the heck out of you, and then they hand out you know, free food to everybody, yeah, that's what socialism is as well. And and what we have to do is like think about you know when is if on the one hand like if you give uh, you know food stamps to hungry children you know that's not socialism that that's just being merciful. Uh, but if you do some of the things like Medicare for all that the Democrats propose, where they've got the government literally taking over you know twenty five percent of the U.S. economy, setting prices, uh, you know deciding who who can get what treatment. Uh, deciding when to pull the plug for people, which actually happens in, in socialized medicine uh, places in, in Europe. You know, that's what socialism is. And so, but if you look at what the Biden administration's done, well, let, let, me, let me jump in if I may, Kevin. Kevin okay, Hassett, let me, I'm going to follow up on that because uh, I like to play devil's advocate from time to time just so people can hear the answers to sure. these kinds of questions and criticisms. You, you point out Medicare for all. I completely concur. Those who would find fault with your reasoning and mine and maybe with your book would say, we already have socialism. What do you call social security? They take money from everybody. They put it into a big pool and then they distribute it to them, everybody, uh, when they retire or when they reach a certain age. Isn't that the same thing as socialism? We hear this all the time, right? Right. Well, well, think about it. What, what's happening is that, uh, that every country is, uh, you know, somewhere on the path uh, between pure capitalism and pure socialism. Uh, but the problem is that once you get to a point where the socialism is extreme, where you really see the government owning the means of production, like in Venezuela, then the government has to become totalitarian because otherwise it won't survive because the people are so miserable. And so, uh, you know, there are places like the Fraser Institute, uh, 
uh, and look at all the policies that the country has and then score them sort of on a number line, if you like, between, you know, capitalists and socialists. And they create these things called economic freedom indices. And it's like very obvious uh, that the places that become less free, as the U.S. is radically doing right now, um, they grow uh, less and the poor people are worse off and, and so on. And, and so, um, no, a little bit of redistribution doesn't mean you're socialist, but I'll, I'll give you another real example of something that truly is socialist. Like, you might not have noticed, although I know you're a real student of these things, that in the Build Back Better, like, worst named ever bill that <laughs> Joe Biden's trying to ram down our throats, they've bad. got the government building millions of houses. They're building millions of low-income houses. Joe Biden wants to be your landlord, and the liberals want to put the houses wherever they want. And so what that, they're that's, do is that's they're, the key. I, I was going to ask you, where are they building these low-income houses? Yeah, it's not, so it's not in urban centers anymore. It's not in the big cities. No, they, 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 you know, they, they hate the rich because that's what socialists do, and they're going to go to the neighborhoods that they think um, are where the privileged Republicans are, and they're going to put in housing projects. And that's in the bill. Yeah. That's in the bill. And, and that's the kind of strong-arm stuff uh, that you need an explanation for. And that's the part of the book that, that I get the most excited about because basically Joseph Schumpeter, uh, this famous philosopher and economist of the 20s, looked ahead to our time right now and, and, and he saw, this is the 1920s, he saw exactly what's happened. He said, we're going to get rich, we're going to send our kids to universities and colleges. Universities and colleges are going to uh, basically be filled with socialists who indoctrinate our kids in socialism. The universities and colleges are going to be, you know, control respectability. So, like, if you're, you've got a Harvard degree, then your opinion's worth more than anybody else's. And they're going to cancel people who try to defend capitalism and they'll do it effectively because the best guy from Harvard is going to control the New York Times, going to control the media, and capitalism will die, Schumpeter said, because there'll be nobody left to defend it. And that really looked like an effective strategy, something that was working, and this ties back to my time in the White House, until Donald Trump came. Because when Donald Trump came, he reached directly to the people, he reached around the media, he did it through Twitter, uh, and he was able to push a very, very you know, pro-little guy, pro-blue-collar worker, a capitalist agenda to fight the socialist head-on um, by going around, basically, the drift. But now the drift has canceled him, and the drift is canceling people that try to fight socialism, socialism uh, like him. And, um, you know, at the America First Policy Institute, uh, a bunch of Trump people started to think take this year. You know, they've launched a lawsuit to try to get President Trump back out of his Twitter and his Facebook and social media, but they've asked people around the country, if you've, got, if you've been canceled, you know, tell us your story, and they're at about 100,000 stories right now on their website. I'm not kidding. You guys should all go to America First Policy Institute and check it out. But there are 100,000 Americans right now that are being canceled by social media for being capitalists, uh, if, if you look I at believe. the stories. And, 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 so, and, so, and, and so the point is, it's, it's really an existential life-and-death struggle for the future of our country, because once we become socialists, the totalitarians are going to take over. And, and, and a final thought, I, I don't mean to filibuster, but um, a final thought is, under Donald Trump, you know, blue-collar wages grew faster than they ever have. African-American unemployment was the lowest in history, as it was for Hispanic unemployment, as it was for females. Wage growth grew more in one year than it did in the previous 18 years. Income inequality sharply declined. The wealth of people at the bottom went up by about 50%, and so wealth inequality declined as well. It was the best time. If you're truly you know, a liberal social justice warrior and income inequality goes way, way down, you should be happy about it, right? You should celebrate it. 
But that's not what happened with the Democrats. You know, they, they treated Donald Trump really like the Antichrist, even though he delivered, you know, on their liberal agenda. This is something I document extensively in the book. And so you have to ask yourself, well, why did he do that? And the answer is that the universities have been taken over by the Marxist, socialist, totalitarians. You know, if you or I go talk at a university, they're going to protest. They're going to try to beat us up. You know, they're thugs and they're bullies. And those people are trying to shut up the defenders of capitalism. And if we let them, if we let them, then we're going to lose. And so, you know, in the end, I have recipes for what we can all do to make sure that doesn't happen. But the number one thing is that when we see them trying to cancel someone, uh, then we need to call them out and we need to uh, not be bullied. And we need to understand that Harvard University doesn't uh, control respectability, you know, common sense does. We're talking to Kevin Hassett, listening to Kevin Hassett, Senior Advisor and Chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors to President Donald J. Trump in the Trump administration. His new book is The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. I don't have a ton of time left here, Kevin, but just briefly, you talked at, at length about, you know, uh, obviously the government being in control of the means of production. What about when the government is essentially in control of the, of, of the means of distribution? And I'm talking, of course, about the supply uh, chain disruption right now between the ports and the trucking industry and so forth is this something that the government is responsible for and do you think what we're seeing right now as we approach the holidays with empty store shelves is it intentional you know intentional i don't know but you know joe biden since he came into office has been utterly asleep at the wheel you know but now we actually see him asleep at the conference too right <laughs> and and as a, a guy who's asleep at the wheel then everything's falling apart you know we're falling into the 1970s when he takes action, it's action that attacks supply, like shutting down pipelines, like raising corporate taxes, raising marginal tax rates so that people don't want to start a new business. And at the same time, he's giving people free money and paying them not to work. So it's very, very close to like almost a pure socialist agenda. And so what happens? Well, well, you know, you run into uh, inflation. You run into supply disruptions because people demand way more to, than supplies is being provided because you're attacking the supplier while you're getting cash to the demander. Um, the whole country is literally falling apart because of these policies, and inflation is going to get just worse and worse and worse until we reverse them. Now, there was good news in Virginia um, and even in New Jersey because I, I guess you're probably a fan of Big Ed's as well, right, the guy who – um, came from the way of the truck. Absolutely. And, and beat the, <laughs> you know, one of the uh, New Jersey state senators. Phenomenal. But Phenomenal the point, story. But the point is, this is the last chilling thought, and, and I know we're almost out of time. But think about the year that Biden's had, you know, giving $85 billion worth of our military stuff to the Taliban and, and, and all, you know, the chaos of Afghanistan, the you know, surge in energy prices, the surge in inflation, you know, the huge, huge drop in economic growth. And then look at Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, who, you know, was said parents don't belong to the school. You know, the Democratic Party took this dad whose daughter had been raped in school and beat him up and then made him a pariah and even had like the FBI say we have to investigate guys like this. And so so what the Democrats have done this year is as offensive as can be. And yet almost every Democrat in Virginia voted for Terry McAuliffe. And you have yep. to ask yourself, like, how could they do that? How could they look at all of these failures and, and the, the new trajectory of the country and still vote Democrat? And, well, and how, how can 92% they've been of them? Indoctrinated, they've been yeah. indoctrinated uh, by the drift. So, yeah. so, so and, the drift and not just, not just Virginia, Kevin. People. 
not just Virginia, right. but it, but even in the in the in the latest polling from Gallup that shows Biden at thirty seven percent, ninety two percent of Democrats still give him a favorable uh, an approval rating. Ninety two percent say, yeah, he's doing a good job. Why? He doesn't mean tweet, and he and he's not orange, and that's all it takes for them. Uh, and that's the, and the no, sad... but I think it's also that they've been indoctrinated with this uh, religion of socialism and Marxism. and that is what they're fanatic. that is then that is what he stands for. You're exactly right, and that's what he stands for. He was supposed to be moderate Joe, but as we see, he is Marxist Joe, and he is following uh, the beat of the uh, of the uh, progressive uh, Marxist drummers and socialist drummers. Kevin Hassett, the author of The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. Read it to understand what the problem is and the danger it is, and then read his recipe uh, for turning things around. Uh, Kevin Hassett, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Lots of fun. Talk thank you. you. God bless. All right, 1024, time out. We'll come back, get a call or two on AM 1420, The Answer. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 1027, let's squeeze a couple of your thoughts in at 216-901-0945. We'll go to uh, Wycliffe. Michael, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Michael. Hey, Bob, quick Quick question here, which this $450,000 uh, settlement, so to speak. I know the Justice Department is defending the lawsuit, but who gives the Justice Department the green light as it pertains to the dollar amount? I mean, they, they don't have their own money to give to these people. So who, who, who gives the green light from up above? And secondly, what can we do or who can stop it? Can Congress stop it? I mean, this is out of control. Yeah, I think Congress intends to stop it. Uh, c- uh, congressional Republicans. Now, of course, they're still in the minority until next d- November, hopefully, when we turn that thing around. Uh, but to my understanding, and thank you for the phone call, to my understanding, there is no expenditure of federal tax dollars that can be made that is not approved by Congress. Now, is that trumped by the fact that this is a lawsuit and thus uh, federal lawyers in the Department of Justice can ne- negotiate with a plaintiff that is suing them and negotiate a settlement can they do that without congress i don't think so <clears throat> but i wouldn't put my life on it i wouldn't swear to it or, or wager anything that i hold a value on it i believe that any agreement that they enter into in terms of spending our tax dollars on illegal aliens who broke the law to get here it's got to emphasize that um it's my belief they would have to get approval of congress for that now would all of congress go for that the House, which is controls the purse strings, and would they have enough for that? I don't know. Remember, there's a whole bunch of them, including Democrats, are going to be up for re-election. And even if Democrats and liberals and leftists may want uh, open borders in our southern border, they may not want to spend billions, which is probably what it would all come down to, or I don't know, hundreds of millions maybe, because there's hundreds of families that are, they're going to say we're separated, and they're talking about a million dollars per family. Uh, they may they may balk at the idea. Uh, of their representatives voting to spend that kind of money on illegal aliens. So that's where we sit, Mar- uh, Michael. I appreciate the call. Sam is in uh, North R- uh, Ridgeville. I almost said Royalton. Sorry. Hey, Sam, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Two quick things. As far as the Social Security system goes, and they compare that to like a uh, a welfare system or something like that or a socialist, 
young people should be more than happy to throw a couple of bucks out of their check weekly or monthly or whatever so that when people get old, they can get out of the workplace. They can make room for the younger people that are a little smarter, a little more intelligent, you know, and able to do the bulwark. Otherwise, people would have to work until they die. Can you imagine a country full of 85-year-old iron workers, street workers, people flying airplanes, you know, and stuff like that, and doing all the work of uh, people need to do when they're younger and smarter. Can you imagine how weird that would be? Well, not only you weird, know? it would be impossible because uh, these people would have died probably working those hard labor jobs in their 70s, uh, much less making it yeah. into their 80s. But that's why their that, argument about Social Security being a form of, of socialism is flawed and is wrong because of what you just said and because of what my guest, and thank you for the call, Sam, and because of what my guest just said. Uh, when I asked him, you know, hey, look, this is what the left will say. They say Social Security is socialism. How do you defend it? And you're exactly right. Um, providing welfare for people who are working of working age and ability uh, and saying we're going to give you everything you need, everything you need to live, everything you need to eat, everything you need to house yourself, we're going to take care of you. We're just going to collect it all from people who are better off and then distribute it to you. That's socialism. That's, that's, and that's extraordinarily economically irresponsible. If people are able to work, they should work. But you're right. When we age into a place where we can't work anymore, and we don't just ship people off to die, we, we, we have to make sure that they are provided for that, and they paid into it for their entire lives, too. That is what Social Security is. That's a true safety net, not a socialist endeavor. Thank you, my friend. Great call, great points. Time out. News time, and then Christina Hagen joins us on AM 1420 The Answer. There are two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth, the Bob France Authority, on AM 1420, The Answer. 1038, we continue now. Thanks for being with us on this Friday edition of The Authority. Thanks also to my guests. Uh, great conversations with Dr. John Lott and Kevin Hassett. And I know the great conversation is going to continue now because we have one every Friday with former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan joining us once again. Good morning, Christina. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I am well and feel like we are finally on offense again, um, pushing back on just some of these crazy, radical, authoritarian policies and starting to feel light in this country. So I'm feeling good today. Yeah, you know what? I am too. I, I feel good. It is it is still a long road to hoe, a tough road to hoe, but um, I think we have some momentum now because of what happened on Tuesday. And if uh, Kamala Harris is to be believed ever, and ordinarily I would say not, but she said what happens in Virginia is going to extend into 2022 and into 2024. And you know what? For the first time, I want to take her at her word. Absolutely. Let's talk about what that means. We'll come back to, I do want to talk to you about mandates, and I want to talk about liberties lost, and they have been. They're no longer in jeopardy. We're not in jeopardy of losing our liberties in this country. We have lost them. Now it's about a fight to get them back. But before we get into some of those specifics, tell me what that victory, not only for, uh, obviously, Glenn Youngkin as governor of Virginia, but also for Winsome Sears, the first black female lieutenant governor in that state's history, and 
she is, first of all, her patriotism is just so warming. I mean, literally heartwarming. You feel she's a former Marine uh, or an ex-Marine or, or a retired Marine, whatever you call her. What they say, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. But she is a Marine, and she is uh, breaking new ground in terms of uh, her, her historic victory. And the left wants to continue to say that the reason Virginia turned out the way it did is because of white racists and because of a real strong support and belief in white supremacy. How do they make that call, Christina, when Winsome Sears won right alongside Glenn Youngkin? Well, I just want to say first, Youngkin and Sears are an answer to prayer. I mean, millions of Americans have been mortified by the awful policy that we've seen come forth. And for Sears to shatter their narrative just by simply existing and being a patriot and being a God-fearing, loving woman with brilliance and intelligence and a desire to uphold the Constitution, this is their literal worst nightmare. So we're having our prayers answered, and their entire narrative is being brought to the ground in flames right in front of them just by her existence. So she does immediately pose a problem to them. Um, They're going to continue to kick and scream and yell and shout racism, sexism, all the horribly divisive things that they say and do that are never based in rationale or statistical reality or truth. And eventually the truth wins, right? I mean, because they can keep saying these things, but in the face of reality, they have nothing to stand on. So we have this unbelievable woman of color who's holding statewide office for the first time in the history of Virginia. And shockingly, she happens to be on our side of the aisle. Actually, not shockingly at all, because we love and embrace all people, believe in all people, welcome all viewpoints, promote and support people's First Amendment rights. And we've now got the voice um, that directly defines what they say is true about us in this particular circumstance that happened to shatter the narrative across the entire country. You know, when you say shockingly, Christine, I think I know what you meant. It's not shocking to us. It's shocking to them. The left doesn't think that anybody with darker skin uh, should ever, ever be conservative and hold constitutional principles and be proud of America and not see America as systemically racist. Every time they see a Larry Elder or they see, you know, a, a Peter Kersenow or they see a, uh, you know, or a Winsome Sears now, whenever they see African Americans who don't march to the far left party line of calling America systemically systemically racist, they're the ones who are shocked. And that's why they really have no answer whatsoever to this result. I'm sorry? They're the racist ones. I mean, do we not remember Biden Mm. saying, you ain't black? You ain't black if you vote for Trump? Who says that? That's crazy. It's blatant racism. All of that they're doing with CRT and everything else is blatant racism. They are who they say we are. And so when we stand in truth and unity um, with those and... Um, as a team for which they say we oppose, it just it exposes them for who they are, the deceptive, lie-telling leaders. It's, I, I'm just I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with the opposition to CRT. I'm thrilled with the opposition to masks and vaccination mandates. I'm thrilled with their opposition to the climate control narrative that they are going to force on us next. As soon as they can't keep stoking fear anymore with COVID-19. They're going to move to the sky is literally falling, the world's burning to the ground. Uh, Ignore these Sodom and Gomorrah-type lifestyles that they have induced. Pay attention to this wildfire here or this tornado here, and they're going to try to scare us into submission. So I'm just thankful that we have people like Youngkin and Sears who are standing on truth. I'm thankful for people 
like the voters of Minneapolis who voted to reject their idea that we need comprehensive public health instead of policing against evil and ill will in this country. We're seeing people stand up and we've never been the minority. We've just been the quiet majority. And so if the quiet majority becomes the vocal and present majority with consistency, our country is getting taken back. You just gave me an idea for my next T-shirt. There, there was a football coach by the name of Denny Green, Dennis Green, uh, who is actually, I believe, passed now, rest in peace, who uh, was famous for a soundbite after a game that his team lost that they thought they were going to win against the Bears, and he screamed at the press after the, after the game, the Bears are who we thought they were, and we just didn't get it done. And it just became kind of a, a sports radio uh, uh, you know, iconic soundbite. What you just said reminded me of that. When you said, we, uh, they are what they say we are. They are what they say we are. And that is so true. They call us the, the intolerant party and the intolerant ideology of conservatism. They call us racist. They call us separatists and division, and those who, uh, push for division and segregation. When literally, historically and present day, every one of those things can and does define the Democrat Party and the far-left movement. They believe in literal racial segregation now, in schools, on campuses, safe places. They continue to call us racist while pushing CRT, which is blatant racism. So you're right. right. They are, or they, segregation me, they are who they said we are. All <clears throat> right. Exactly. They are always who they say we are. I mean, that is, they're projecting their own flaws and brokenness onto us and hoping that if they create this ugly picture of us, that they'll be able to take us down. But reality is truth wins, truth prevails, consistency prevails. And I think, I mean, even Oakland, I mean, it's not just discrimination based on race, it's discrimination based on vaccine. I mean, they're talking about plans to segregate children based off their own personal health decisions and the directions of what they do for their family and their own health directives, regardless of their background, regardless of their capacity to have that, regardless of their need, because the need is practically non-existent for this population, yet they continue to force their agendas. It's unreal to me, Um, but I've seen it for a long time. It's culture control. It is is indeed. It's it's, it's, it's people control, population control. It's all of those things. And I'll come back to the other part of the point I wanted to make. Let's stay with it since you went there. Now we have uh, vaccines being made available to children ages 5 to 11 from Pfizer. Uh, and i got to stop calling them vaccines. The big, big pharma profit shots from Pfizer, greenlit by the FDA, which admitted in the greenlighting process that we don't know how safe they're going to be until we start giving them out. That's how this works. Um, and now it's not only making them available under emergency authorization for a population, as you just pointed out, for which there is no emergency because the number of children, healthy children impacted by COVID in any way is so statistically significant that they can't even chart it. Um, but now, as you point out, in San Francisco, they are literally going to mandate it for children ages 5 to 11 to go inside public venues, whether it be restaurants or whether it be playrooms or whether it be gyms and rec centers or anything else. They're mandating this for children when the FDA, Christina, says we're not 100% sure they're safe. We'll find out in a while after we put it in millions and millions of little arms. That's, that, that is the kind of thing that I thought the people in Virginia expressed we're done with that. We, we barely have data on the short-term implications 
And what we do see in young people, um, heart inflammation of young men and the older population is enough for me to throw on the e-brake for my family. I don't know about every other American family, but I will not be treating my children like guinea pigs for the government to test a vaccine on them for something that is not threatening their health or their well-being or their future. Um, we have no understanding of the implications of this vaccine long-term, none whatsoever. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen that we would allow for our children to be disposed of at the hands of the government um, and their ill will and their lack of understanding of what implications are. It should be put to a halt. Um, the fight against CRT, the fight against mask and vaccine mandates needs to be full force from parents and right now, or else this will be the way forward, just like they're steamrolling companies um, of 100 employees or more. They're setting the guidelines for how they're going to attack all workers and how they're going to attack all children. You think they're going to stop at kids at five years old? The greed never draws a line in the sand. They will keep going till the day your child is born. They'll want to put that needle in their arm with this vaccine that needs a perpetual booster, as we've learned, that does not prohibit you from getting it, that does not stop the spread of the virus. We cannot allow for this insanity to be driven into the bodies of our children. It's ludicrous. That's a great way of saying it. That is exactly what it is. We're talking with former state representative Christina Hagan with reaction to the news. Now, we're talking now about the child vaccine. Now, of course, OSHA is set to put into the federal registry. It's my understanding they haven't done it yet, so it doesn't actually, it's not actual, uh, an actual order that has to be followed until it's entered into the federal registry, but it's supposed to be done soon, and then it will take effect on January 4th for all employers with 100 or more employees, making sure that the entire crew is vaccinated or anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand to a one hundred thousand dollar fine per incident of unvaccinated employee. Uh, so the employers have no choice but to force it on the employees or lose their jobs. Lawsuits have already been filed. Uh, Ted Cruz is going to introduce a new bill to block the federal government from mandating that and also the vaccines for kids. How does this play out, Christina Hagan? Here's what I have to say. Any rational elected official who watched what happened in Virginia, watched the scare in New Jersey, saw the you know direct uh, repulsion of voters in Minneapolis to their desire to strip away something that once made sense, they just received the eye-opening news that they are failing America, that Americans do not have confidence in them, and they cannot win on this agenda moving forward. So any rational elected official would press pause. But not these people. They're wicked. They're rolling all of this forward against the will of the American public, against the will of private employers, private property owners, against state and local rights, against state sovereignty, against our constitutional protection. And they're absolutely attacking employees. And I've, you know, I've never been, you know, harsh one way or the other, pro or anti union. But all I can think about in this space is, Unions need to be fighting like they've never fought before for employees' rights because I have had a strong belief that we've had federal protections for employees against um, undue civil discrimination, et cetera. But in this environment, we need the unions to stand up for employees. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they are going to carry their salt and do what they need to do because if they don't do what they need to do and they don't get in the ear of the Democrat Party and platform leaders, then this will be a full-on, full rollout of all American people. They're not going to stop 
at companies of 100, and they've said themselves that they're, this is the, the emergency temporary standard, and they're preparing permanent um, indications of this across the board for all employees. So nobody will be safe unless everybody fights back. And if, if people think it's going to stop at this vaccine, they're not. And just the unreliability of this vaccine, the discussion of booster after booster and needing an additional booster after you receive the shot, this, people have to push back. Businesses have to push back. Individual civil lawsuits, collective lawsuits, companies pushing back, suing. They can't go after all of us. They say they're putting boots on the ground from OSHA. They're sending federal agents in. And willful violations are going to get a 14,000, or I apologize, unwillful violations. So standard violation by mistake is going to get a $14,000 smack, um, but $140,000 per every employee that has willfully not received the vaccine and not been chastised or fired by their employer. This is a full-on attempt of the federal government to either A, bankrupt anybody with any moral convictions, values, or belief in freedom, or B, just an authoritarian mandate that needs to be killed now by the American people. Yeah, and you know what? The most important thing I think you said in that great response is that uh, everybody needs to fight to stop this. Everybody. It can't just be a few factions. It has to happen en masse. The American people need to say, we are free people. Uh, we are not going to become slaves to the state. We are not going to let the state decide what we do with our bodies or lose our livelihoods. And if that means we grind everything to a halt until they lift that mandate, that's what has to happen. And let's just hope that there is a loud enough rally and cry to get people to be willing to do that. Christina Hagen, former Ohio State representative with some very deep thoughts on the extraordinary uh, attack on our liberty that's going on right now. Christina, thank you very much for that, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, God bless you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, you and you too. 1054, final segment coming right up. Okay, 1058, final segment. Shorty, uh, Gary and Sheffield, thank you for your patience. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. I just want to say, first of all, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Loved you for many, many, many years. Great, great, great thank job. You. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate just, that. Yeah, thanks, brother. Um, I just want to say, you speak to Jim Jordan all the time, mm-hmm. who I love, great conservative. Can you? I'm going to put you to task. Can you please have him draw up a bill saying that, hey, look at we're not giving any money to these illegal immigrants who cross our border illegal, any money. And let's see who signs that bill and see who doesn't sign that bill. Do you think we can do that? Is that something a possibility? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's usually very difficult for a member of the minority party to draw up a bill and, uh, and, to, and to get it out of a committee. I mean, because first thing it has to do is go into a committee, then it has to get enough votes to come out of a committee before it could even be voted on by the full House. Uh, and when you're the member of the minority party, it's tough to get it out of committee. So you would only see what the votes are from the committee members, which is going to be a small number, 10, 12 uh, people. So that's the tough thing so about we, it. Yeah. Well, 
Well, the, and, and, and like I said also earlier, I'm not a thousand percent sure, and I got to go here, Gary. Thanks for the call. I'm not a thousand percent sure if the House, which controls the congressional purse strings, does get to decide how that money is spent in litigation. If the DOJ can settle a case when there is a lawsuit against the federal government, they may not need the, the Congress at all. Thanks for the call, my friend. Thanks to everybody. Be safe. Thanks for the call, my friend. Thanks to everybody. Be safe this weekend. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.